74 Tango Whiskey, 2.6 for 3,000, uh, 140 on So what does Scott do now? Like he's just the Flyers guy, right? Like so, is he more involved in the Flyers, or is he now, or is this a, a grand exit for him? And who the hell takes over the Flyers if this guy hangs the the uh, hangs up the the business coat for good? Well, I guess the question is, yeah, what does so his title is chairman and governor? Yes at this point. So what does a chairman and governor do for an NHL franchise? Apparently a whole lot of fucking uh, nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I I know that Let's there's like general a general manager do whatever the fuck he wants. Like there's like a governor's meeting, I think. Um I'm not familiar with what those roles entail these days with teams. Um I do know though that Scott still has some level of influence on the direction of hockey operations. And he's the he's at he's still at the top of that particular pyramid. Hilferty um, and uh, and Camillo are not involved in that at all. They are still quarantined off from that. That is still Dave Scott and Chuck Fletcher. Um, so I don't I don't think anything changes in terms of Scott's influence or lack thereof or who knows how much in terms of the Flyers. I think that stays the same. The fact that he relinquished his CEO title really goes more towards uh, that partnership division and the gaming division and really doesn't go in terms of uh, or relate to the hockey operations side. But it still begs the questions, what do you do as a chairman and governor? (laughs) Beats me. (laughs) What did Dave Scott do before he relinquished the CEO title? Yeah. I mean, there's there's questions about that, too. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, all Mm -hmm. of his little pet projects and the video game uh, Overwatch League and all that, that fucking crashed and burned. And then, like, what else? The Aramark stuff and the food at the Wells Fargo Center. And you know what? Again, so many hands in so many pots. And are you really doing a great job on any one of those things? It doesn't look like it, no. So there you go. I mean, th- th- that's the whole thing with this, with the structure of the way that this organization is set up. This organization screams for you need somebody with really deep pockets to just say, fuck it. I like this team. I'm buying it. I want to own a team. I want to be a sports owner. And then at the end of a year, especially a year like this where you miss the playoffs and you go, how many seats? I'm sorry. How much money are we in the red? All right, next year, this gets fixed, or else you're getting fixed, and you're going to be looking for a new job. You need mm-hmm. an owner that's going to, you know, lay down the hammer, and basically say, you know what, I'll lose money one year, maybe two, but unless you could sell me on a on a plan, and unless you actually have results <sighs> with your plan, then you're in big trouble. And I'm going to find somebody else. You can always lose for a lot 
less money. Yeah. And and if it's somebody's money, that's their money, not a corporation's money, not a conglomerate's money. When it's somebody somebody's money, that's their money that you're messing with. And if they, you know what? How come we're not selling jerseys? Well, we don't have stars. Then go get me a star. Do it. I don't care what it costs. Go do it. Can you imagine you're the in- money they would have made in Johnny Gaudreau jerseys alone? God. Idiots. Yep. Fucking idiots. Interest- you could have covered that entire contract in jersey sales this year. All of his extended family would have gotten season tickets. Think about it. How many of his buddies and stuff that he grew up with would have been like, yeah, I'm going to go see Johnny every yeah, like hundred people. Yep. Yeah. But yeah. Just, just in that alone. Advertisements, banners, faces, commercials, exposure. Yeah. It's a shame. It's, yeah, it's a damn shame that the front office and the ownership looks like the way it does. Um, you know, again, as we'd mentioned in the past, it's the only way this changes is if it it's all comes down to these fucking senior advisors. If they tell Dave Scott, if they all collectively tell Dave Scott to do something, he'll do it. So uh, unfortunately, those guys are pulling the strings still when it comes to major directions, rebuild, not rebuild, um, making a, a different role for a president as compared to a general manager. Big, big things like that. Um, until there is some sort of like unified uh, communication or response or direction from the senior advisors. I mean, Scott's just, he's just a placeholder. He doesn't have the brains, the experience, the capability, the initiative, the competency, the will, the wherewithal to make anything like that in terms of the hockey side. You know, he might create these new CEO titles and figure out ways to, you know, to populate new employees and whatnot on all the other divisions, but the hockey division, no, that's got to be set the way it is. And he has no experience in that. In fact, no one has any experience in that except for Chuck Fletcher and the senior advisors. That's it. It is, it's their fiefdom. And um, unfortunately it's going to, it's going to remain that way. And there's really nothing. I mean, they seem immune to everything they lose. It doesn't matter. You know, they bottom out which they barely have done, doesn't matter. They go in 10-game losing streaks, doesn't matter. They have no stars, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, there's nothing that can happen here that's going to effectuate change, as far as we can tell. And um, that's why you need one of those, you know, like you said, Manny, one of the younger owners, like like some rich fucking billionaire to come in and just buy the team and have fun with it. <laughs> I just realized what Dean Lombardi's role is. Bobby Clark is 73, lives in Florida. He just wants to drink beer and golf all day. And you know what? He's had a great hockey career, and he can do whatever the fuck he wants. He's a legend. He'll show up every couple of times, and he'll, you know, when he's in town kind of thing, and do some things, have a few chit-chats. That's it. How many times have you seen Bobby Clark at a game? No, he doesn't go to that it's shit. It's been a long time, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't. Because he doesn't have to. How many times is Paul Holmgren at these games? Long Again, time, been a he, while. He, he shows up and he does his thing and he walks through the you know the halls of the offices there and he talks to people and he does his thing as an advisor. But he's out with his kids and his grandkids, and, you know, all that stuff. He's doing all the family stuff and he's catching up on lost time. Dean Lombardi 
is in that box and he's watching games. Mm-hmm. He drew he drew the short straw. The other two are like, fuck you. <laughs> You're the one that's going to be at that those games. You're going to be representing all of us over there. I'm golfing. I'm going to be drinking beer. I'm going to be with my grandkids. You, Dean, you can go and watch this pathetic excuse of a team. That's your penance right there. He's got buddy. the proxy vote. Yeah, see you later. Go over there. That's your He job. must be a fucking idiot. He has added utterly mm. nothing to this. I mean, my God, like we've talked about him a little bit in the past, but like he drives me absolutely nuts. The fucking track record this guy has through two different organizations. Then he shows up here and just exists in the background and the fucking shadowy figure all these years. What does he do <laughs> he, here? I mean, I'm I'm now angry at Dean Lombardi. I, he's a fucking loser. He, he's Pretty an absolute yeah. fucking loser for this team. He has all this wealth of knowledge as a general manager for a successful franchise brought literally none of that to the flyers nothing his his role has been a complete failure he is he is not advised in any capacity whatsoever to make a damn bit of change at all he's basically just a piece of shit with a with a set of eyeglasses and a pen and paper at the games (laughs) just doing nothing on the desk i mean he's he's a fucking loser at this point honestly you know like my patience are over with him yeah, I I, I I had my meltdown with Lombardi maybe a month or so ago. But yeah, all the shit this guy did for San Jose, all he fuck he brought two cups LA, to the fucking yeah. L.A. You know, yeah. he, two successful fucking franchises he built up, and then he comes here on you know besties with Ron Hextall and just doesn't do shit. Like, how do you have somebody like that in your fucking front office and like nothing? Well, what is he? Well, what is his specific fucking job description? Mm-hmm. What does he and, do? And, and my point with that would be he, based on what Mike just said in his description, and it made me think, he reminds me of somebody who's just satisfied. Yeah, I yeah. won my cups in L.A. I was the architect of that. Getting paid millions of was, dollars to sit here and do nothing. You know, I groomed Hextall. And then, you know what? I did, you know, really good in San Jose. And we had competitive teams, but we didn't end up winning. I don't need to do shit. I got my cups. I yeah. have my legacy. I don't have to do anything else. If he if he had if he had the ego and the appetite and the competitiveness, he would have been like, you know what? This Fletcher is a fucking jackass. And you know yeah. what? I can't stand this anymore because this team sucks. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Dave Scott right now and I'm gonna say, Dave, you send this guy home, you send him his marching papers, terminate his ass, and you know what? Mm-hmm. I'll take over. Yeah. And I'm going to fucking turn this team around and we're going to get this place back to respectability. Mm-hmm. I did it before. Bingo. I've won cups. I've won. I turned San Jose, which was always a kind of a middling team. And we actually got really competitive there and close. But you know what? No, he's happy. He gets to go to games, yeah. he gets to eat popcorn, and he gets to sit there with his glasses and make notes. And then yeah. uh, he gets to he gets to call Bobby Clark a couple times, uh, you know, a season, and ask him how his golf game's going and how's Florida. You know, did you stab any Gators with your nine iron? You know that kind of shit. And then yeah. Holmgren comes by, and you know they have fun and they do stuff with the alumni and all this. If he had any backbone, he would have been like, "This Fletcher guy is a clown. Yeah. Let's get rid of him right now." And you know what, Dave? You could search for whoever you want. If you don't even want me around, I'll be the interim until you find, and I will help you find somebody. I know what 
I'm looking for in a general manager. May, maybe the whole thing, though, is that he's an advisor and they don't even take his advice because he brought them Hextall. <laughs> right? Yeah. In which case, again, why is he around? Why is he here? Yeah. If he's so an advisor well and you don't take his advice, why is he here? So we're well, not even giving the, it. Yeah. We're going on the assumption that he's here to give advice and that he's valued. So if his advice is valued, it should be to the point where, you know what, Chuck, you're gone. You suck. Don't even you're not even going to get a reference. Okay, get the fuck out of here. And you know what, Dean Lombardi, you're going to be the interim. And you know what, hopefully let's see what you could do at the deadline and at the draft. And maybe you could groom Danny Briere. You know, maybe you can start over. And by the way, there's another thing that that guy could have done. That guy's just satisfied to sit on his ass and do nothing. You know what? You don't want Chuck Fletcher grooming Danny. You want Dean Lombardi grooming yeah. Danny. Yeah. Because you know what? Okay, he groomed Hextall, and it didn't work here for whatever reason, for many reasons. But now this is his chance for redemption. This is his chance to take a young, rising executive, and he can mold him like clay and say, you know what? Here's what I did in Los Angeles, and here's what I did in San Jose. And, Danny, I know you did work with the Maine Mariners. And you know what? You're going to be my my guy in Lehigh. You're going to be working on the AHL stuff and together. And then when the time is right and you've got enough experience, then he could say, you know what? Now I'm done. Now I've done everything in this game. Now I'm retiring and I'm out. And Danny takes over. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the fact he doesn't have the appetite for that and he can sit by and tolerate. How can you tolerate what has gone on in this franchise for the time that he has without doing anything? Like you mentioned, man, it's it's absurd that he sits there like a bump on a log and just allows all of this mediocrity and just insolence and asinine moves and backwards bullshit general managering and you know that that the flyers are just walked all over by other general managers they don't do business with them they think they're idiots like i mean fuck like the fact that he sits there and tolerates it is unfathomable to me it says something about what kind of guy he is where he's at in his life and it's it's sickening it's sickening that they let some a leech a fucking leech like that sit around and fuck around in the front office Have we said one nice thing about the Flyers in this three and a half hours we've been recording? <laughs> I don't think uh, so. Yeah, we thought that, you know, there's the reestablishing a culture and, you know, like a better preparedness to win and with torts on that end. But that's that's kind of on an island, given all of the other things that are taking place around around them with the front office and ownership and the talent level and the plan or lack thereof. We should say more nice things about them sometime. Maybe when they start doing something right, I'll say nice things. I'm not going to do it yeah. out of the goodness in my heart. I don't have press passes that I'm going to lose if I say I'll talk shit. So. Yeah. I mean, Dean Lombardi has work. excellent penmanship. <laughs> I just said something really <laughs> nice about him. <laughs> Yeah, ripping him. He he kind of escaped for a little while, but at this point, nope. No free passes for those guys. But yeah, wouldn't it be nice to have a team that you can bring in guys like Ryan O'Reilly to compliment your star players? Isn't that a cool thing? It's fun. 
Meanwhile, our fucking general manager's scared to trade Nick Sealer. Hey, Trevor Van Riemsdyk's a UFA this summer, too. They can bring both the Van Riemsdyk's in. Oh, that'd awesome. be such a sweet story. <laughs> veteran right shot D. That's just what they're looking for. Hey, get some more brothers on the on the roster. Oh, it's such a great storyline. Not only do we bring JVR, but yeah. we brought TVR in yeah. as well. Just Winning be damned. me off. Oh, God. Yeah. So what's the next um, Flyers players uh, large personal milestone? How many, you know, games or assists are they rank in the all-time I list? I don't know. Uh... That's all they fucking play Ooh. for is internal organizational <laughs> milestones. <laughs> yeah. Sean Couturier reaches game 2000 with the Flyers. Yeah. Years on contract. <laughs> Tony D'Angelo's a minus 20. Jesus Christ. Oh, I thought it was bad, but that's bad. Lowest on the team by a wide margin. Lawton and Hayes are minus 10. Wade Allison leads the team in plus minus with 7, somehow. Huh. Nick Steeler's a plus 2. Look at that. 58 shots on goal for Nick Steeler. What? How is that possible? So St. Louis traded Tarasenko. Now O'Reilly's gone. Mm. Is Pareko next? They've got their first. If fucking Pareko's going to get traded, the Flyers better be in on that shit. Top right-handed defenseman, big boy. Oh, Oh, they won't. They won't. Fucking holy shit, they should. (laughs) Yeah, I've loved him for a long time. Who do they even got left over there? Brain Shen? Give me Brain Shen yeah, back. They're going to Morgan yeah. Frost. Yeah. Robert Thomas. Uh, what's the other winger that they got? Jordan Cairo. A whole lot of people Barbashev. I don't really recognize. Oh, Tyler Pitlick there. Look at that. I don't know. He's still fucking playing hockey. Colton Pareko is... Uh... Wow. First year of his eight million fifty uh eight year fifty two million extension, six point five a season. He's uh twenty nine with a birthday in May, this will be thirty. You want Fletcher to win the trade deadline? You send a fifth round pick to St. Louis for Tyler Pitlick. Half this fan base will fucking Oh yeah, lose they'll fucking game. lose their minds. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. We got <laughs> a Pitlick back. <laughs> God, Braden Shun's under contract forever yet. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, I'm looking at their cap friendly too. You know, this is a sign of at least a team that is being honest. Recognizes with it's time to tear yeah. down. Yeah. Getting the Or jump at least, on you it. know, getting yeah, like saying, look, we need to at least liquidate some of our players, not everyone, but we're taking a chunk of this roster, liquidating, and all of a sudden, look, the St. Louis Blues have three first-round picks this year. Yeah. That's great. That's really, really good. Uh, you know, and you don't need to tear the whole thing down, but you need to take some chunk and recognize we can't win with this chunk. Let's 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 flip it for something that can help us later on and potentially with our younger core, you know, the Robert Thomas core and the, like you mentioned, the Jordan Kairos and those kinds of players. The exact thing the Flyers should be Mm -hmm. doing with Konechny and Provo. 
Exactly. They have more term on their contract, but it's the same fucking situation. We're not going to win with Konechny over the next two years of his contract. Let's trade him for a fucking first round pick and move on with our life. Or Travis Sandheim before you sign his fucking ass to eight year extension. Fuck. Yep. Yep. And we're just repeating history about, you know, this is what Ron Hextall should have been doing during his regime was recognizing that these timelines don't Vorchak and Giroux and Mm -hmm. Simmons and all those guys when they were at their peaks. You could have a fucking King's ransom for those guys through those drafts. God, it's so just it's utter stupidity. It is infuriating. It, it it just makes me fucking sick to see this <laughs> shit. So so now so we've got Tarasenko moved, mm-hmm. O'Reilly moved. Yeah, and who's the uh, I I Bo Horvat. Yeah, Horvat was moved. Mm-hmm. So that's three big guys who make significant money and have significant cap hits. And all we keep hearing about in Flyerland is the cap, the cap, the cap. We don't have the ability to make these trades. We we don't have the ability to trade players like this. So St. Louis managed to unload two, two big pieces from their team. And you know what? That O'Reilly return, you know what? That's not bad. They're, they've mm-hmm. picked a direction, and now they're in. This is what they're going to do. They've realized that, you know what, they won the cup already. They're not going to be winning the cup again with the same crew. Tarasenko had to be moved because they were going to lose him for nothing. They moved him. Now they just moved O'Reilly. Maybe somebody else is next. They're moving. They've made a decision, and now they're going for it. They're not just dipping the toe in. They're diving in. The Flyers exactly. keep selling people on this shit. You can't do this. You can't do the cap and the constraints. Fucking Minnesota can't even make moves because of the cap. And they, they retain salary in that deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All we hear is we can't, we can't, you can't do this, you can't do, it, you yeah. can't do, it, you can't do it, you can't do it. It's too valuable. We can't do it. We're not going to get value for it. Teams are making moves, and now this is interesting because as much as far up against the cap as this league is, three pretty big pieces have moved, and everyone whines and complains and says, "Oh, the NBA, everything happens all the time." Trade deadline was so exciting. If you're Tampa Bay now, and it's a near guarantee that you're playing the Toronto Maple Leafs in round one, now they got to do something. Because I think the Leafs this time will win. Tampa now has to do something. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be fishing around and seeing what they can do. And if you're the Boston Bruins who are head and shoulders, the first place team in the league. Now you're sitting there going, Ooh, now we might have to do something just to make sure that we can stay ahead of Toronto. So now they're going to want to do something. Mm-hmm. Not with the flyers though. No, we're going to do whatever we can to keep Nick sealer. God, that gets me so fucking angry is the fucking refusal to move Nick sealer. Oh and they're not. God. And like, you know, you look at some of these names too. The Flyers don't have anyone because of because of repeated idiotic moves in the past. They don't have anyone to offer that's worth a shit. Like, okay, like if you're a contending team and you want to make some noise in the playoffs and add to your roster, 
and you can have Patrick Kane or JVR. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, like there's no, and you know, Kane makes a little bit more money, not that much more money. So when you're retaining half, it doesn't even matter this time of year. Anyway. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, they've all built up their cap space and stuff throughout the season. So like, why would you waste your time fucking around with Chuck Fletcher and JVR when you can make a deal to bring in Patrick Kane as essentially one of your aces to come in and star in your lineup and potentially make a run. Like, like there's just no comparison. You're getting a, a player who has been benched and relegated to fourth line duties who for all intents and purposes is widely ineffective yeah. in any sort of clutch or pressure situation. He's just, he's just there. Or you can have options, you know, and it's, I mean, there's no secret why these teams, you know, with Tarasenko and, and Horvat and O'Reilly, I mean, these guys are difference makers, especially when they don't have to be the guy on other teams. They already have yeah. good cores in place. They have winning cultures. They have a winning team and they can just come in and be supplemental pieces. And they're really good. Um, the Flyers don't have anything to offer. You know, fucking JVR, Justin Braun, like these guys are inconsequential. So who's getting Meyer? Who's getting Kane? I think Meyer for sure is going now. Because now if you're the Devils, now you're like That's such okay, a big now, move. He's probably going to get, him, need yeah, to get New Jersey. I don't know. I thought reading those fucking Kane quotes earlier in the week, he was all pissed off that the Rangers got fucking Tarasenko because that's where he wanted to go but yet he refused to let the Blackhawks trade him yet yeah it's a little <laughs> bitch like, about the whole thing fuck off like if you're not going to give the team permission to trade you you can't sit there and complain that the Rangers picked somebody else I don't know and where he was dragging his feet out. last year too yeah, I mean the Blackhawks would have traded him but he's so well, I don't want to leave I'm like dude grow the fuck up <laughs> you've won three cups with them you've been there for well over a decade yeah. Just fucking grow up and live in another city for a year. It's not that hard when you're a fucking millionaire. You know, like that sort of bullshit attitude pisses me off with guys like that. Yeah, I don't know who's left now, where he's going to go. But I'll just stay in Chicago. And Taves can sit there and retire as piece yeah. of shit black on. Yeah. yeah, it's like have fun during the latter, like during your golden years of your career, you were with a team <sighs> that is fucking tanking doesn't want you any longer and you're there for what because you're afraid to move for a year out of your life and your yeah. adult life they've won oh, their Jesus. cups they've made their money fucking making ten and a half million dollars a year mm-hmm. to fucking what if lose the de- what if the devils got Patrick Kane it would be like a rental thing because I don't see him mm-hmm. signing there but they certainly have prospects in draft capital that they could yes, tease they do. Chicago I think Patrick Kane is going to be a flyer next year. He's one of the guys that I think is going to make it to free agency and one of the names that the flyers just aren't going to pass up on. And he's a right wing because we just don't have enough of those right now. That's one of those names that I I just kind of always levitated to is, is this is going to be one of the guys they pursue in free agency as here's a big star who's well past his fucking prime and doesn't actually solve any problems the flyers have, but you know, they're going to rely on the star power name of Kane in this summer. That's my thought on that. God, Maybe I I don't know if he wants to play for Torts at this at this stage of his career, but who knows? He doesn't want to leave Chicago at this point in his career, but yeah, he doesn't want to go anywhere. I don't think he wants to lose. He's, He's in Chicago. They have a better chance with Boyd Kane 
let alone Patrick Kane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all, all the big business, all these big trades are going to happen. And the actual trade deadline day is going to be like boring as fuck. Parts yeah. just going here and there. Yeah. Well, it takes one of Chuck Fletcher's most notorious excuses off of the board. And that is, oh, we need to wait for the market to develop, you know, because the market is being set right now. Yeah. All the big boys are coming off the board way early. So <laughs> figure it out, Chuckles. Yep. <laughs> and anybody with cap space, the money's going to be spent already. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Oh, we could move JVR. Yeah. We could move them. Oh my! If they don't move that motherfucker now, it's all lining <laughs> up perfectly. I don't want him to move them. I want him to stay because I want to see how fucking rotten this can get. <laughs> you know what? Now, now I want them to sign them. I want to see want... the. I want to see the carnage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it so bad. If there's one thing that the Flyers can do for me, it's to re-sign JVR. <laughs> That's my wish. That's my number one wish as a fan. Oh, I want it now, too. Yeah, I want, I want it, so it now bad. just to see what would happen. I want to see everybody on Twitter just melt it, down. It, it, it just is, all it would be is is complete, if there was any doubt, that Chuck Fletcher has complete and utter carte blanche to do whatever the fuck he feels like <laughs> doing with zero repercussions. That would be evidence. That would be rock solid proof that that is the case. God. I'm, I, I don't know. I, 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 not even for the lulls, not interested. I don't want to. I don't want JVR back. <laughs> I, want it, yeah. I can't let go. <laughs> he's too. He's too valuable. And then they give him. They, they give him the C. <laughs> they put the A on Nick Sealer. No, they wouldn't even. JVR has never worn a letter in his illustrious career, not once. That's true. It's fucking pathetic for a player of his alleged stature. God, is that true? I'm pretty sure it is. I don't think he's ever worn a letter. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't remember him having a letter in Toronto. Fucking pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. No, never wore one with the Flyers. So all these teams are, you know, St. Louis has dumped two significant contracts. So now they got cap space. Do they want Kevin Hayes? <laughs> this is Kevin. Will they take Kevin Hayes or one C? No. Uh, he did not wear one with the Leafs either. Wow. JVR has never worn a winner. Loser. <laughs> there are some fucking winners on this Leafs list. The only fucking shit. Mikhail Grabowski. Mike Komisarek. <laughs> Carl Gunnarsson yeah. wore a letter at one point. Oh my God! Really, yeah. Carl Gunnarsson, Jay McClement, Stefan mm -hmm. Robida, Matt Hunwick. What? Jesus Christ! Captain Dion Phaneuf with one, two, three, four, five, six assistants in twenty ten. Wow. Colby and JVR Armstrong, couldn't make it. Luke Shen, Mike Komisarek, Thomas Caberlet, Mikhail Grabowski, and mm -hmm. Francois Beauchemin. Let's give everybody an A. 
Pavel Kubina in 2008? There's a reason for that, for this, that <sighs> he has, there's something with him that that prevents him from, he, he does things the wrong way, he takes too many shifts off, he's not doing the right things, just there's something there. It makes no sense that he would not wear a letter for this long, this many teams, this many groups, that this much money. He's he's veteran made. leader of this. Yeah. yeah. How do you not wear a letter unless there's something egregious behind the scenes with how you conduct yourself on the ice? Again, JVR seems like a real cool guy off the ice. I actually, I think I like him as a person a lot, but on sure. the ice in terms of wearing a letter and you don't have one given his career, there's something, there's something wrong. wrong. Yeah. But it, but it's like just a strict overvaluation from the fans and from the front office. Like I want you to imagine right now, like this trade, this Ryan O'Reilly trade. So we're, we're recording this, everybody. The O'Reilly trade just broke like half an hour ago. Yeah. So Tampa is now meeting and talking, saying, "Okay, what are we going to do?" Boston is sitting there going, what are we going to do? New Jersey's saying, what are we going to do? All these teams, like the dominoes now in the East are, are, are going to fall. The Rangers went out and got somebody. Now the Leafs went out and got somebody. So the arms race is starting. So who's left? Kane, Meyer. There's teams calling about Eric Carlson. There's, uh, you know, all these names are floating around. Chikrin still in play. You know, well, and, then all this, boys. and then all of us, yeah. And everybody's wondering what the fuck's happening. What's happening? We need to talk. We need to talk. We need to call. We need to negotiate. And then you get a phone call from Chuck Fletcher going, "Hey, uh, we got James Van Riemsdyk <laughs> here to tell you." <laughs> like, like I'd rather, I'd rather do a fucking insurance fucking survey or something on 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 the phone than than talk to him about pretty much anybody that's on his team right now. We got just mm-hmm. we got Justin Braun and JVR to yeah. sell you, but don't you fucking ask about Nick Sealer, he's off limits. <laughs> I want your firstborn for Nick Sealer. <laughs> yeah, they have nothing to offer. I mean that's exactly right. Yeah. Is what do the Flyers have to offer? It's they're meaningless players. They're, they're nothing. They're not going to help a playoff team do much of anything. Nope. Nope. It's just like, it's just, you know, this is just one of the repercussions of building a dumb roster, which they've done and making bad decision after bad decision. And it's just like, you're just leftovers at this point. The Flyers are complete fucking leftovers. Does this move affect the value now of Van Riemsdyk? Because now there's like less money now available. Like some of the teams, I mean, I know Dallas is still out there looking for something. That that seems to me like the best fit. Uh, he's, he's got a, a first, second, forward. and third round pick for Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, it's a pretty. Are they all in this pick. year's draft? The first rounder was. I don't think the other two were. I need to check that real quick. So St. Louis has what three first round picks now? Yep. God damn, I'm jealous. And they have some good core players on that team already that are going to be there for a while. It was Toronto's first round pick in 23, Ottawa's third round pick in 23, and Toronto's second round pick in 24. So first and a third this year and a second next year. I'd say that's pretty good 
return. Pretty solid Plus return for Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. A couple of prospects. That's solid, too, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah, Abramov and uh, Goodet. Yeah, again, they won their cup. They whatever. If they have to reset, they reset. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Blues are are kind of an example of how you potentially retool on the fly or rebuild on the fly. Even it, it's just, it, I mean, the flyers are trying to model themselves off of them, which I don't think they are. I think that people who want to defend the flyers to the death and who are wearing the orange coated glasses will use the blues as an alleged example. But this is kind of how you do it because they have some legit core players on the forward core and on the defense core that they can afford to flip these veterans into first rounders and whatnot. Uh, and there's, and they still have something here worth building with, uh, the, the, I, I, the flyers think that they're doing this, I guess, but they're not like, they don't have anything that resembles, some of the forwards and some of the defensemen that the Blues have. See, in last offseason, they extended Cairo to a big number in the long term. Mm -hmm. They also extended Ryan Thomas to a big number in the long term. There, There is a plan here. Mm -hmm. And they were just on the sly about it. And it just, their, their season unfolded and they had no doubt that okay we're gonna get rid of guys we've we've got our future that we're gonna go forward with and now we're gonna load up with picks and just just go we're gonna yeah they made a decision pace. they made they made that call if we if if we have a good season then we can try to run it one more time and and go for the cup and if things fall off and they did and it looked like and they didn't completely fall off but they were like what three spots away from the wild card or four spots away and it yeah it right around like, there so you know what screw it let's do this oh here's yeah, something cool i wanted to, to uh bring up uh quick here the uh mikey anderson out in LA, signed a eight-year, thirty-three million extension, four point one million cap hit. Had a hundred and seventy-ish games under his belt. Cam York is an RFA uh, this summer. I feel like that is a contract I would uh, love to sign Cam York to, give or take. Mm. You know, around that market, rather than rather than you know signing him long term at a reasonable cap hit on the four point one really million, rather than signing him to a two-year bridge deal at a million dollars and then paying him fucking $9 million in a couple of years from now. I feel like it's been a long time since the Flyers have had one of these contracts that kind of aged real well for them, you know, because they opt for these stupid bridge deals all the time. You know, the, the Sean Couturier caught the 4.3 mil for Couturier and whatever the hell Simmons was. I don't remember his cap hit off the time. He had, he had a really good one there as well for a while. You mm -hmm. know, locking somebody like York up like that who could very well be a very good player for a long time, you know, do you... And a guy, York is about 70 games under his belt. Mikey Anderson is about 170. So there's a little bit more time there, but they're about the same age. I think Mike uh, Anderson is about, uh, mm, he's 23, York is 22. So yeah, about the same age there. You know, you forgo maybe a year or two of a cheap deal for York, but at the end of the day, it, it pays off cheaper 
down the line from now. I thought that was an interesting kind of contract signing, considering the Flyers have somebody like York in a very similar boat. Yeah, it's a great concept. Um, I think it would have made a lot of sense if the Flyers would have not dumped all that money into Sanheim yeah. and um, said, look, we can bring York in here um, on the left side, and we think he has middle pair potential. Um, we're going to sign him long term, maybe not eight years, maybe a six year deal or something, um, but still long term on the cheap. Maybe York bites at it. Who knows? Um, and you have that younger player on a better cap hit. And then you flip Sanheim and, you know, get something to complement the team in that situation. I think that would have made a lot of sense. I would have strongly considered that. Given the current status of the team and current status of the roster on defense there, um, I don't know if you can tie up another guy long term like that, but I'd consider it, I guess. I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it. I mean, if you ditch Provorov, you have somebody to replace him there in York. Sanheim would be your left guy that's extended forever on the left. Ristolainen's got the term on the right, but beyond that, D'Angelo's only got one more year. Bronze UFA, Nick mm. Sealer's... Fuck, fuck, I'm not even going to mention the fucking stupid name anymore. But, you know, Adder's hanging around there on the right. will probably be up to mm. replace him. Zamula's still hanging around, so... You know, I don't know. I just think having, like... You know, a lot of these... You know, the guys that Fletcher did extend, like Joel Farabee and Konechny, you know, like $5 million for Fairby is not bad, but it's not really good either. Five and a half for Konechny. I mean, this season looks good, but for the most part, you know, when he signed the deal, it's just, eh, you know, not bad, not good. You know, having one of these guys that you can keep under long-term contract like that, where it's going to age, like Mikey Anderson, $4.1 million until 2031 is going to be a good deal. You know, getting York under a very similar contract, you know, and maybe even slightly cheaper because he's got less games. You know, paying York three and a half million dollars when he's in through the peak of his career there, throughout his mid, you know mid twenties, it'd be four. I'd take a swing on something like that. If I'm the team, I'd totally be interested in that. If I'm Cam York, I don't think I would be. Yeah, I don't know why the hell Anderson signed that deal. Uh, seems odd to limit yourself financially like that for for so long, but. Like, I don't know much about Anderson, and I haven't seen too many L.A. Kings games, but I'm looking at uh, Matias Samuelson, Buffalo Sabres, signed, you know, a longer-term deal for $4.285 million. Teams want to lock up these players at these, you know, moderate cap hits yeah. because then they're going to have great – they're going to pay dividends in the latter part of that contract. Yeah. And it certainly would for York. But if I'm Cam York, I'd look at it a little bit differently where Samuelson has got uh, Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power in front of him. So at best, he's going to be on the middle pair. So you know what? Yeah, I'll make $4.3 million for the next God knows how many years, six years, seven years, eight years. You're not going to supplant Rasmus Dahlin or uh, Owen Power. So it's fine. York, theoretically, is number three right now in terms of, well, should be. He's your top righty right now. 
That's what I mean. So if I'm York, I'm like, you know what? I'll sign a three-year deal for that much money. Uh, He's going to sign a cheap bridge and then fucking get paid out the asshole in a couple of years. Right. And if I'm his agent, that's what I'm telling him to do. That's what I would do if I was York. But from a team perspective, try and lock this fucking guy up. Get some good contracts on the books. But... I don't know. I thought that was an interesting one because I mean he's the top pair in LA right now. So I was just baffled when you see somebody like that sign a, a reasonable deal. It doesn't happen every day. At least sets the market well mm-hmm. for York. Rather than I don't know. Like I mean York doesn't have much. He's gonna. I think he plays every game for. I think it's like eighty six games or something like that he's gonna finish at in his career, which is not much of anything. So it's probably like a year or two bridge at like one to one point two mil, and then he plays really good, eating you know thirty minutes a night. And then gets signed to you know nine million dollars like every other top defenseman gets these days, and yeah, it could be a huge problem. Yep, mm-hmm. fucks everything up down the line. Yeah, and the thing with York that I do like is that his age does seem to comport with where this team realistically should be looking at at guys in their early twenties right now. Guys in their like late twenties have pretty much no business being on this team unless they're well, some sort of really good veteran or something. Do but... I have some news for you, Mike? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sean Couturier is here for seven more years at 30 years. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's a great idea, Dan. I like that. I think that's a really good comp. Um, and, and something that the front office, any competent front office should be thinking about here. It's just that they fucked themselves in so many other areas. You know, if they hadn't made so many commitments, improper commitments, um, I think that this sort of idea would have more traction under the framework of this roster. I don't know. They love long-term commitments, Mike. That's all they want to do is long-term commitments. Just wait till next year gets extended next year. Actually, they can start, they can dark this summer. Get him extended this summer. They love the year early bullshit. Three mil AAV for fucking. That's Seal. true. Yeah. They do like it a year early, yeah. I don't know. I think it's an interesting deal though. York gets paid now, but he gets paid cheaper rather mm-hmm. than one or two more years at a cheap cap hit, and then make it a lot of money. <coughs> you make the same amount of money at the end of the day. It's just structured differently. Yeah. And the thing with York too on this roster is under Torts' system, given the guys ahead of him, is he ever going to really like stand out here over the next one to two seasons and f- get the idea that, hey, I might be worth more than what they're paying me right now and I better wait and have a bridge deal or something? I'm not sure. I just don't know if he gets enough enough chances here to like to really shine given where he is in the lineup at this point. I mean, point. he's their fucking de facto top guy right now. He's probably their best defenseman they mm-hmm. have outside of Nick Sealer, mm-hmm. of course. But, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if, if you move Provorov, York's taking that top pair left spot. Sanheim's not going to fucking challenge him for it. Not That's anymore. the thing. Yeah. You know, have to move uh, York's still your top guy, but, and even if they keep Provorov, they're just going to keep fucking York on the right anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know. There, there's a fucking thing. Rather than going out and getting Preko, they'll just fucking keep York. We well, can keep Provorov and just keep York. There's your top pair for another year at least. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Food for thought. Cool. Worth, worth uh, thinking about, I guess. Getting creative oh, sure. with contracts, believe it or not. I know Chuck Fletcher doesn't know how to do that, but, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, they've never even considered this in the front office. Hell no. I can guarantee you that. Has Chuck Fletcher even heard of a three-way trade? No. What? You could do that? (laughs) How the (laughs) fuck does that work? (laughs) He's got his GMing for dummies book. (laughs) He's fucking reading. How do waivers work exactly? What does that mean? Uh, I'm on TSN.ca right now. They've got a story. Bedard and McDavid reach 100 points tonight on the same night. Oh, how cute. How how poetic. Isn't that great? Two players that the Flyers will never fucking even sniff. (laughs) Yeah. Nope. The only thing we didn't uh, talk about was Hackstall. Oh, yeah. Uh, This fucking Dave Hackstall fucking gimmick. There's a conversation that, that pops up every now and again. Drives me there nuts. was a picture of him after the game yesterday. He had shorts on and like flip flop. He looked like he was going to go surfing. He probably was. And he, had this, and he had this fucking smile on his face. I just wanted to kick him in the teeth. The, the, but... the, these two losses to Seattle probably hurt more than any loss recently. That fucking stings losing to Dave Axel. Pisses me home off. Home and home. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. I don't like... I. So the theory is that Dave Haxtell is actually great, and it was just fucking Ron Haxtell that held him back. Like, this is a theory that pops up every once in a while. I've, I've heard this with fucking Craig Bruby, too. You know, well, Craig Bruby's a great coach. He's just he's the flyer. Like, fuck. If anybody watched the Craig Bruby area here, this guy fucking sucked. Craig Bruby, terrible here. I don't know. Like, I, I saw somebody on Twitter today was like, you know, Ron Hextel was forcing him to play Yori Laterra for all this ice time and all this shit. I'm like, no, probably not. Dave Hextel wasn't good here. And, you know, I mean, quite frankly, he's not been that great in Seattle in the all the hole and hole there. But uh, I don't fucking know. What a conversation to pop up. He was actually a really good coach. No, he wasn't. No. I lived through that era. Yeah, he, he wasn't. wasn't. It was pretty fucking bad, actually. Mm-hmm. What fucking mm-hmm. revisionist yeah, he, history from these assholes? He was it a is. bad coach, and he was a bad GM. Both things are true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, remember how awesome Dave Haxtell was when he would play fucking old centers? like Yeah, Chris Vandevelde was their top-line guy on those years. Yeah, and, and Laterra, and uh, Belmar, and Dale Weiss, and Philpola. Fucking Val Philpla was their second. Oh, fucking whatever. Not even going to... Rehashing old wounds after yelling about Nick Sealer for four fucking hours really is a... Mm. Salt in the wound. Ugh. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, just because he's having just, like, marginal success this season with the Seattle team really has no bearing on whether or not he was good or bad with the Flyers. I mean, if you go back and look what Dave Haxtell did here, I mean... First of all, he had no experience at the NHL level with professionals at all. He was plucked out of college. He didn't know how to communicate with professional athletes. He didn't know what the fuck he was he doing. Stood I there mean, and made that face. He didn't talk to his players on the bench at all. And that came out from multiple sources from multiple former players. He would stand there. He did not talk to the players at all during games, unless it was in the locker room. It looked like Corey Perry fucked Mike Babcock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you guys mentioned too. You know, he played Vandevelde and Belmar like were in like ninety nine percent of the games over multiple seasons. Yep. Like never ever would move them at all. And like Vandevelde played like eighty two consecutive games or something. It's just insane that that happened. And and like 
I was a season ticket holder, and I remember at one of the town halls, somebody went off on Andrew McDonald about how bad of a player he was with all <laughs> these Fucking stats. Andrew McDonald! Holy yeah. fuck! <laughs> yeah. And then oh. he goes, and Hackstall was like, you know, you can throw Corsi out the window, and <laughs> Mac is a big part of our team, and he does all these great things and stuff. Uh. And it's just like, dude, if you're going to hear a head coach go through and defend Andrew McDonald like he's fucking Bobby Orr, I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, it was just like one dumb thing after another. So, you know, I... I don't think you can really make a good argument that Hack was a great coach here and stuff. You know, he had a, a largely deficient roster with a couple of above average forwards on it. And that's really about it. And they were in and out of the playoffs based upon a lot of Claude Giroux, good stuff going on at that point. But um, Simmons, Voracek no, and Giroux carried yeah, the team. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can't go back and say that he was a good coach. Hextall he, may not Hextall have given him the best roster, but, I mean, Hextall was not the one making lineup decisions. His over-reliance on Vandevelde and Weiss and Andrew McDonald, that that was on him. That wasn't fucking Ron Hextall forcing him to make those decisions. No. God. Idiots. Fucking yeah. idiots. The revisionist history. Oh, yeah. So, so, so regardless, they burnt him at the stake because he was the worst thing ever. He got fired, and now years later they go, "Oh, I wish we had him back." Had him back. Yeah, yeah like pick a, pick a lane and stay in there. He was in Toronto for a couple of years, wasn't he? After he got fired, as an assistant, he yeah, was an assistant. Yeah, yeah, he was useless as like tits on a <laughs> nun there too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to think he learned at least a little bit of what you can and can't do, what works and what doesn't work after his training wheels came off. He's probably making some better decisions as a head coach now in Seattle after many years, not many, but I don't know, six, seven years in the league, something like that. Uh, you know, it's like, it's inevitable. He's, he's going to be a little bit better at this point. Don't forget. He looks great now, but at the beginning of the year, people had him on a list of first coach to get For fired. Handling a Shane, right? Uh and well, and because Seattle was disappointed with how they finished last year, and they were like, eh, "What's going on with the coach here? Is, is he any good?" The coach was because they fucking fucked up their expansion draft. Yeah, right. Yeah, we'll see what they. You know, I think this Seattle thing is going to lose some steam too. I mean, you know, they may be doing pretty well in an extremely weak division right now. And um, hey, JVR can go to Seattle. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I think that, I had them in my list. I think that makes sense. I think they're a team that is not going to actually fight for a playoffs. Like they're they're, they're not going to be the, they're not building up like the Leafs are or anything like that. If they make it in, it's gravy. So having a depth guy like JVR, you make an addition. You you put on the face of hey, we're making an a, upgrade, but you're not actually. Yep. It's not a Patrick Kane or Tarasenko or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I can see it. Sure. Get, now uh, I know Carson Terinsky back. Now I know what the new CEO was brought in for. With all of his political connections, he can schmooze Gary Bettman and get the Flyers moved to the Pacific Division. That's literally <laughs> their only chance. That would be great. Rig the draft lottery take... in their favor. Move up nine spots or whatever it is. He's going to like get the all-star game here. It's like, ooh, yeah, look what he did. Like, yeah, fucking terrible all-star game with fucking uh-huh. nothing. <sighs> <laughs> Kevin Hayes second all-star appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Travis Konechny snubbed, snubbed again. again. Uh. Snubbed again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
<laughs> then they rig the fan voting so Nick Sealer is on the All-Star team. Fucking Nick Sealer. God, this guy. Nick Sealer. All fucking people. I'm scared to trade Nick Sealer. We just have to keep him. Dude, the fans are are something else. Like, there was people out there like, Wayne Simmons was put on waivers. Should the Flyers put in a claim for him? And it's like, uh, no. (laughs) I love Wayne Simmons. He's one of my top five Flyers of all time. It's over. Yeah, like... Why are like why are people's minds even thinking about that now? Like it doesn't matter. It's so meaningless. God, like focus on doing something that's gonna change the team and not nah. these st- stupid middling. It's not even middling, it's totally inconsequential right now. <laughs> oh, it's like and like that's the stuff that like it's just it's it's the conversation is so denigrated people's expectations are so fucking low that this is this is the, the corpse of wayne of simmons yeah. is what yeah, yeah does it for him what, what that, that was 20 2013 they brought back gagne and knubel and all those guys they can do it again this year goodwill gestures we absolutely suck, but here are some fan favorites to come back. Yeah, fan favorites, right. That's that's part of the strategy. Jeez. If you offered this organization, hey, you can make the playoffs, but it's a first-round exit for the next five years, they'd take it. That's good enough for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, my they'd God, totally yeah. They laugh. wouldn't think twice about that. They would, yeah. yeah. They don't even have to hear what's behind door number two. They're fucking jumping at that. Oh, yeah. First round playoff exit for the next five years. Yeah, we're taking it. I feel like I would take it at this point, too, to be honest with you. Give me a top three. Give me a top three finish in the Metro Division and some semblance of a playoff run at this point. Fuck. I would enjoy the shit out of that. You kidding me? Rather than fucking losing 60 games a year. Let's say there's another like like three or four doors, though. And the first door is the. Five five consecutive years of playoff losses, but you but the other four doors may have something else. And if you take the first one, you can't even see what's behind the other four. Yeah. And knowing this fan base, it's like it gets progressively like or you get three straight years of. uh, Sorry, four straight years of second round, you make it at least to the second round. Then you go, ooh. And you're like, but there's two more doors left. So what if I what if I go to the next door? And you're like, in the next five years, you'll make a conference final. And you go, ooh, there's one more door. You win the draft lottery, you get Bedard. And then, and then you and then you, and then you go and you open the door, and it's Dave Scott whacking off. <laughs> like, oh no, game over. No. Yeah, we picked wrong. We got greedy. Yeah. We got greedy. That is not I mean, the I fucking this... visual image I need to see of Dave Scott. God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna need some Viagra or something. It's not even a he's incontinence. <laughs> oh, my God. I, 
I, I think the Flyers would, if you said uh, they would make the playoffs every other year for the next three <laughs> years or four years, they would take that. They would take uh, and with the first round exits. They would take a first round exit. If you guaranteed them a first round exit next season, they would take that and not even care about the other four doors. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. They're so desperate for that because it's that is the one thing that they will point to to validate everything that they do for an extended period of time. All right. So when's our next uh, when's our next rendezvous, gentlemen? Well, two weeks from now is the trade deadline. deadline. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's right. Awesome. It works for me. March three. Oh, oh. Oh, I'm sharpening the knives when this team does fuck diddly. Oh, oh what? yeah. What time does it end on that Friday? Like like four o'clock or something? Three or four, probably. Yeah. I think okay. it's three <laughs> officially, and then sometimes uh, yeah, shit trickles, trickles in for a couple. Huh? That's and perfect. By, and, by, and by that time, actually, usually at like four or five o'clock, Chuck will have his press conference. <laughs> yeah. Why? Oh, yeah, what is this fucker going to talk to the media? Yeah. He's God. busy working the We got a fifth bag. round pick for Justin Braun. We traded JVR for a third <laughs> round pick, and we were too goddamn scared to move Nick Sealer. Yeah. Nothing else made sense. <laughs> <clears throat> Nothing else made sense. Yeah. We didn't yeah. feel the value was there elsewhere. <laughs> Take some fucking oh, Xanax that day or something so I don't fucking my heart explodes talking about that shit. Yeah. Yeah, that might be a day where there's like a bottle of like Jack Daniels in front of me. I'm just <laughs> slugging away. I'll drink. Yeah. That was one thing we didn't talk about. And it was because mm-hmm. it was a storyline we've kept up on is, is you know, they've been playing like it's, you know, game seven of the uh, Stanley Cup final for months now. You know, now that yeah. the season's coming up and the trade deadline's happening and the playoffs are, you know, looking less and less likely. You know, you got to wonder if that effort level starts falling off on a regular basis and they get Maybe not trounced like they did in Seattle, because I think it was an exceptionally bad game. But you have to imagine the uh, the effort level drops and the losses start racking up sooner or later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe we'll actually start seeing that uh, pay its dividends and they recoup a bit of their draft positioning. We yeah, were I thought the they were all that talked about that. Yeah, yeah. They thought they were all hot shit on their last West Coast trip. Oh, we, well, we oh, we the fucking ducks. beat, beat <laughs> yeah. the ducks and the, and the sharks. Oh, look at us! Yep. And then it's like, okay. Here's another West Coast trip, and so far you fucking suck. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping that they just get their asses kicked here over the next couple of games. I put up a thing today, a stat that I thought was interesting because I was thinking about it last night. Um, they've played 19 games since Christmas. They're nine, seven, and three in that time. Against the playoff teams, they're four, five, and two, and against non-playoff teams, they're five, two, and one. So essentially, they're more they're more often than not beating the non playoff teams, but they're more they're more often than not losing against the playoff teams. Perfectly mm-hmm. mediocre. The too well good, uh, the not good enough to win, not bad enough to lose, mediocre team. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's uh, and that's a win for them. They like that spot. That's their comfort zone. Yeah, that's what they want. I've seen this for too long. What the Flyers are doing is bullshit. Like, that's what's happening. It's, it's a ridiculous approach. It's a n- nonsense approach. Um, it's just fucking stupid. 
And until they figure out a way to connect with fans and, like you said, Dan, give us something, just some understanding as to where they're going and how they're going to get there, there's no reason to really give them any benefit of the doubt whatsoever anymore. No. Yeah. If they want goodwill, they can go to the fucking secondhand store down the street. Not They're not getting no goodwill from me. They got to give us something. You're right, Mike. You're right, Dan. Mm-hmm. The, the, the positivity is few and far between. You I know what? Right. The, the anger hasn't left me from that off season when that asshole was not relieved of his duties. Yeah. And they didn't do the moves that were promised. They lied. The lying was bad. And now here we are again. And then there's going to be, oh, don't worry. Wait, till, wait, wait till you see they're going to trade Hayes and Provorov in the offseason. Sure they will. I'll believe it when I see it. Yep. Until then, I see other teams making trades. Yeah. But it's always us. It's always our fan base. And we provide cover for the snake oil salesman. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no value out there. And, you know. You have to trade, find a partner to trade with, Charlie. Can't just trade with people. <laughs> yeah. Like, everybody's making deals. We, we're not making deals. Do your fucking job as a general manager. I'm stunned that people aren't buying season tickets. Fuck, That's giving crazy. me the trade Who could ever figure this out? Yeah. So, Charlie had an article recently just <clears throat> eviscerating the... Uh, the D'Angelo deal and the disconnect. Fuck, I was going to bring that up. Maybe we can do it next time or something. Like the disconnect between what Fletcher was saying about D'Angelo and stuff and the way that Torts is talking about him now. Yeah, and the whole, and I think some of the quotes that he tweeted were like, yeah, who could have seen this coming? And it's like, yeah, didn't Fletcher put money into like analytics and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Like, didn't, aren't they supposed to know this? Everybody said so- but even the eye test people were like, yeah, I don't want the Angelo. Why do you want the Angelo? He was brought in to help the power play. And I guess in a sense he did, even though the power play is fucking non-existent these days. But you did not get the player you got that Carolina had. You got the Rangers version of the guy. You got the fucking guy that just isn't good enough defensively to fucking make his own fucking time on the ice worth it. No shit. Believe it or not, Ivan Provorov is not Jacob Slavin, and the Flyers are not the fucking Carolina Hurricanes. So yes, you were not able to manufacture that solid defensive season again. You got the fucking random Tony D version that punches out his own goaltender. I'm surprised he hasn't started more shit this year. He's getting calmer in his old age. He's getting soft. That's what he's getting. He's getting fucking soft. He, He should be punching people out by now. After losing all this time. Punch out darling Nick Sealer and see what happens. <laughs> Get the fuck out of this team real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically he was saying Fletcher took the wrong lesson about what D'Angelo did in Carolina. His takeaway was that D'Angelo was fully capable of taking on top four minutes, if not top pair minutes like he did in Carolina. But his takeaway should have been that Slavin is a really, really good defenseman who carried D'Angelo, particularly in his own zone. And the numbers back that up. He goes through some stats. Hmm. Who could have ever imagined Tony D'Angelo wasn't very good? 
Yeah. He says, Carolina believed, absent a partner of Slavin's quality, he was best served as a bottom half of the lineup blue liner at even strength who could provide serious power play utility. Fletcher and the Flyers, on the other hand, completely misunderstood his value, with Tortorella's comments this week serving as evidence of their summer delusion. (laughs) 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 That's on the general manager, assistants, and pro scouts who believed he was better than he actually was and apparently did not prepare the coaching staff for just how much work D'Angelo would need to do in order to be competent defensively. <laughs> I what mean, think, it's pretty. Scary. What do you think of D'Angelo, Dean? Uh, he's fine. Go get him. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> D'Angelo, as Tortorella acknowledged this week, is what he is, and the decision to acquire him in the first place and pay him like a far better player than he actually is stands as he had another total misevaluation from the from the Flyers' front office. <laughs> you know everything that you just everything that you just read. Take Tony D'Angelo's name out. And put Travis Sanheim's name in. The exact fucking thing. The organization has completely misread Travis Sanheim. Well, I guess he's not really that good of a partner, is he? When he's got other guys on his on his pair. Yep. And tr- and tr- well, listen. Truthfully, he's he's partnered with Tony D'Angelo, so that helps explain why uh, Travis Sanheim isn't doing as good. But regardless. He's still not anything close to what he was last year when they re-signed the guy, and they completely misjudged them. They, they backed up everybody. the truck. Yeah, they do it with everybody. Money's free. There's nobody asking us questions. There's nobody demanding things from us. They don't fire us. Yeah, no pressure to do anything right. Yeah. No. Nope. <clears throat> Damn it, this team. This fucking team. <laughs> I, I fucking hate this team so much. So do I. <laughs> I, so I, I do them. I. <clears throat> I can't stand what they've done. I need a uh, shadow team. Yeah. God, like they're like ruining my interest in the NHL as a whole at this point. Totally. Be- <laughs> Yes, I've because had the they've been same fucking problem this season. Because they've been so irrelevant for so long, and just just in this stupid spin cycle that like like I can't I can't even get into other teams now because the Flyers are just not even there. Yep, I've had the same it's just, problem. It's it's my entire love of the sport is just fucking suffering because of it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I've had the same fucking problem this year. Where I'm just like. I don't want to watch hockey at all. <laughs> yeah, my interest is, which is crazy, because I used to watch other teams, like, not a lot, but I would, I'd put them on, and now I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> yep, yep. Yep. Because it was also kind of like, you know, as a fan, like a commentator, like, we're looking to like kind of like scout other teams, see what's working with other teams, bring that knowledge back to Flyers discussions and kind of compare contrast sort of stuff. And that dynamic has just been so watered down and just like, I can't get my mind around it anymore because the Flyers are so far behind and made so many missteps that like, I can't even get to that level anymore. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of other people would probably feel the same way, Dan. In terms of interest levels and stuff, because you kind of need like your team to like be doing something 
<laughs> just like I feel like they've just been just taken away. I can just tell from like <clears throat> the the Twitter inter- it's been a long time since I've live tweeted a game, but you know, when I'm scrolling Twitter, like nobody's on during the games anymore. You know, there used no. to be you used to interact with hundreds of people a night. Now it's just like, eh, there's mm-hmm. maybe like a dozen people keeping tabs on the game and that's it. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, nobody fucking cares. Yeah, because like and like everything has kind of been said, like the fact that they just keep doing the same thing over and over again with this roster and whatnot, like everybody is kind of on the same page with it. Um, people have said everything that, you know, that they're going to say. And with the and with the stagnant off season, it's like we're just wasting time here now. Like there's nothing really to get like to get out there that, you know, that level of Twitter interaction would would go for anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm just angry. I'm just gonna yeah. be screaming into my pillow. That's Fuck. specifically yeah. why this podcast exists, is so I just don't yeah. scream in my fucking kitchen. I'm doing the dishes or some shit. It's my yeah, outlet. It gets, yeah. yeah, I guess more agitated than I normally than I have been about the team. <laughs> it's described the deficiencies <laughs> in excruciating detail. <laughs> <laughs> That's really it. Point out every fatal flaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.